So we're in this now three-part series, the good, the bad, and today you are in for the ugly. Um, I gave you fair warning with your children. If you were not here to hear that warning, I'll offer it one more time. If there are young children in the room, you will need to explain to them some of the terminologies that I will not be explaining, but I will tell you exactly what the Bible says, and I'm not going to dance around this, nor will I sugarcoat it. Let me say out of the gate, if you don't like what's being said today and you want to write me, you must sign your real name for me to read it. If you write me and you're too cowardice to sign your real name, you will not get my time. But if you will sign your name, I promise to read and respond to all of the lovely letters I'm sure to get after today. So just so you know that going in, but we are not going to dance around the subject and God does not whisper about sexual sin as some pastors have said in recent days. Fire and brimstone is a shout from the mouth of Almighty God, not a whisper. And so he takes all sin seriously, especially that which is before us. Where have we been? Quickly by way of review, nothing is too hard for the Lord even when circumstances seem impossible. Remember, Sarah, Abraham will have the son of promise. She will be 90 years old. Abram, Abraham will be 100 years old. So you should have that on your outline. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Okay. Second truth we learned, the Lord genuinely cares for the righteous and extends extraordinary mercy. We see you get a chance if there's 50 righteous, 45, 40, 35, 30, 20, 10, not even 10 righteous. They're in Sodom, not even 10. So not even Lot and his family and their friends. And yet, not even 10 could be found to spare those wicked cities. And yet, God was going to be extremely merciful. And he still was extremely merciful in rescuing them and calling them out. Now, I'm going to skip around just a smidgen for sake of time, but we're going to read much of 19. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. If you have a hard time keeping up, Miss Bailey is awesome. She's going to keep up with me on the screens, even though she has no idea where I'm going with it just now. We've got all of 19 ready. And so let's just start. Remember the two angels. There were three. One was a theophany, the Lord, who stayed behind with Abraham in that sort of negotiation of mercy. And then the two went on to Sodom in the evening. Lot was there. Remember, he asked them to come in and stay the night. He insisted that they stay the night. Verse four, now before they lay down, so it didn't take long for word to spread. There are two guys here that we've never seen, two strangers. What do we want to do? Do we want to throw them a parade? Do we want to be kind to them? No, we actually want to gang rape them. And I could water that down. And I thought about using gentler terms, but this is what's happening. A homosexual gang rape. It's where we would even get the word sodomy from. It's how we etymologically would get that word into our vocabulary coming from this episode. Before they laid down the men of Sodom, both young and old, all of the people from every quarter, they were all perverts. They surrounded the house and called to Lot, where are these men you brought in tonight? Bring them out that we may know them. Now the word carnally is added, but it is unnecessary because we know from that Jewish phrase, that Hebrew, it absolutely means we would like to sleep with these guys. We would like to sodomize these men. And so Lot went out to the doorway and he shut the door. He said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. And this next verse just blows my mind. You want to talk about human trafficking. Here it is. 
not for profit. Verse 8, see now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since this is the reason they've come under the shadow of my roof. So in other words, Lot says, I knew that this city was full of perverts and yet I brought them in to try to protect them. But word got out that the visitors were here. So take my, take my girls. And they said, stand back. In other words, we don't want the women Bring on the guys. And then they said, this one came in to stay here and he keeps acting as a judge. And now he'll deal, we'll deal worse with you than them. So they just pressed hard against Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached their hands and they pulled Lot. And then now the divinity comes out or the concept that these are angelic beings. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Now, don't miss that. Did you just hear what I said? Even when they were struck blind, where are those men? Where are those men? We want to lay with those men. Do you see how God gives you an opportunity over and over and over to respond? And even struck with blindness, they groped in their blindness to fulfill the perverse desires of their heart and their bodies. So, 12. Then the men said to Lot, the angelic beings, have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, son-in-law, your sons, daughters, whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. In other words, they had all the evidence they needed. We will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. Do you imagine others had come through Sodom or Gomorrah and been raped? Of course they had. Of course they had been used and abused. It's a horrible unfolding. But he said, look, the the groaning has become great before the face of the Lord. So the Lord, Yahweh, has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters. And he said, get up, get out of this place. The Lord will destroy the city. Watch this. But his sons-in-law, to him, they seemed like he was joking. Why? Because obviously there was something debase enough in him for him to offer his own daughters and like, oh, come on, pops, you're not serious. We can't take you seriously. But when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, arise, take your wife, your two daughters who were here, lest you be consumed in the punishment. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand. In other words, he knows, he knows the fire's about to fall. And he's just like, well, maybe we should take this or maybe we should do that. And they're lingering. Listen to me, don't you dare come into the house of the Lord today and linger when the judgment of God is coming for us all. Don't you dare linger. And what did these angels do? With hearts of mercy, they grabbed him. They grabbed his family members and they began to pull them out. They took hold of his hand. I'm gonna tell you right now, if I could grab you, if I could grab you by the heart and by the hand and say, let's go. I want you to know my God. I want you to seek safety. I want you to be redeemed. If I could grab you, I would. But there's only one who can grab you today. He is the Holy Spirit of the living God. And I'm praying he's going to grab some of you today. But don't you linger because the fire is going to fall. The men took hold of his hand, verse 16, his wife's hand, the hands of his two daughters, the Lord. Look at this, being merciful to him. They brought him out and set him outside the city. Now we're going to keep going. It said, escape for your life. Don't look back. All of this, all of this, all of this. Hurry, escape. He said, well, I don't want to go to this place, so I want to escape there. And so he said, look, just escape there. I'm in verse 22. 
can't do anything until you escape. The sun had risen upon when Lot entered Zoar, and the Lord rained fire and brimstone or brimstone and fire. That's not whispering, folks. That's a shout from heaven. He rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah and the Lord out of the he- from the Lord out of the heavens. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities which grew on the ground. But, y'all know this part of the story. His wife looked back behind him. She became a pillar of salt. I'll try to explain that briefly in a moment. And Abraham went early in the morning and he saw it. So you know what that said to Abraham? What did that say? There weren't even ten. There weren't even ten. Not ten people of God. Not ten righteous people in that whole place, in all of Sodom and all of Gomorrah. Abraham, he saw it, and then he looked there, and he saw the smoke of the land, and that God had destroyed the cities of the plain. But verse 29 said that God remembered Abraham, and he sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. And you think, man, that is really, really bad, right? So Mrs. Lot is gone. Lot escaped. His two daughters escaped. Okay, let's move on. Not quite. So he was up in Zoar in verse 30, dwelt in the mountains with his two daughters. But the firstborn said to the younger in 31, our father is old. There's no man on the earth to come in and it's the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So the two that were offered, it would appear they're the same two, are now twisting the perverse table and saying, let us commit incest and have children by our father. So the first one gets him drunk and lay with him and she's pregnant. He doesn't even know it. The next one gets him drunk again. She lays with him. He's pregnant. In fact, verse 36, thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. I know some of y'all say it's never been as bad as it is in America today. Really? Seriously? The firstborn named Moab, the father of the Moabites, and then the second, Ben-Ami, the father of the Ammonites, heavenly father. There's really nothing in me that wanted to preach Genesis 19. The wonderful truth of preaching through books is that it forces us to look deeply into such twisted, ugly tales, real historical accounts that happened worse than any horrible movie or soap opera or series even on sin to the max lord this is perverse and wicked and twisted and it is the same today without jesus so let us remember there was one hope of salvation that was to take god at his word and to escape the coming wrath And all of these many thousands of years later, there is one hope of salvation. To place our hands by faith in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and to escape the wrath which is to come for the fire will fall again. And I pray that every person here, everyone in this room, everyone listening now and later would be ready to be safe and secure with the Lord when the fire falls. Speak to us clearly now. You have spoken through the word. Help us to see, to hear, to understand, and to apply the truth, even on a tough day like today. And for those who will be upset, for those who will be mad, I pray they wouldn't cut their hearing aid off just yet. That they would listen carefully and see 
if this truth accords with reality, and if it does, and if certainly it will, then they will repent and they will trust you and find salvation for their soul. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you and be seated. You ready for this point? Last point, point three, and then a few sub-truths I want to get you, but I know you're not going to like it. You are not going to hear a famous TV preacher that smiles a lot and says, this is my Bible. You're not going to hear him say this, but you've got to get this down. Are you ready for it? The Lord's holiness and justice demand that unrepentant depravity leads to destruction. Now listen, y'all, I know we don't like to hear this. I know this is not warm and fuzzy, but if you wanted cotton candy, you should have been at Boom Bash last night. You're not going to get no cotton candy up in this church when we're preaching the word of God. Cotton candy stays on the football field. What we want to tell you is if you don't repent, destruction is coming. How many people do you know that in their arrogance and sin have continued to walk a path of wickedness away from God and eventually the fire fell. Eventually the light came on and there was their hand in the proverbial cookie jar. Well, that's what's happening here to Sodom and Gomorrah. Notice I said it demands it, it requires it, it necessitates it because God could not be just and God could not be holy if God allowed sin to go unpunished. Any sin all sin. This is a beautiful place, a well-watered part of the earth. Many scholars say just maybe south of the Dead Sea. Some argue even swallowed up now by the Dead Sea, but in that general region, a beautiful area at that time. And so Lot is offering hospitality. We've already talked a lot about hospitality, and so I won't get back into that, but he's doing what he should do. But later text indicates he knew He knew what the citizens around him were thinking. And so it makes it very clear in verse 4 that all of the men wanted to be perverse and attack and rape the two guests in Lot's home. Now you know that homosexuality was considered a capital offense. And so their refusal to listen to reason and their unanimous insistence on violence as they rushed toward the home, even in blindness, groping, groping to have their desires fulfilled. You knew the the fate of the cities were, were determined. They were set. They said, we want to know them carnally. And I know, I know. God's attitude toward this behavior. I don't know why in the world this is being taught in a lot of churches today. I don't even know if they should be called churches. God's attitude toward this behavior has not changed. And some of you are thinking, but pastor, that is an Old Testament issue. That was a capital offense from Leviticus 18.22 and 18.29 and Leviticus 20 and verse 13. And you're right, but are you forgetting in the New Testament, Romans 1.26, still considered an abomination? 1 Corinthians 6.9, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy 1.10, that they themselves are bound for destruction. Do you think God is whispering or God is stuttering about such things he says this is wrong and some interpretations have softened this to say no 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 this is simply a matter of bad hospitality friends this is unconsensual sex this is gang rape you can soften it if you want to but the word of God is clear God says no is it an abomination yes was it is it yes listen sin the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah 
Gomorrah was sexual, but it was also social. And here's what the Bible tells us. Ezekiel 16, let me repeat it from last week in case you missed it. This is the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters are arrogant, overfed, unconcerned. They don't help the poor. They don't help the needy. They're haughty. You say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with this sin. And they did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you've seen. And the Bible says they did detestable things. You said, well, that doesn't mean homosexual activity. Well, according to the Bible, the exact same word is used in Leviticus 18.22 to speak specifically of the sin of sodomy, homosexuality, and specifically the word there is translated abomination, but it means detestable things. And lest you think, well, yeah, 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 but that's still Old Testament. Bobby, that's Old Testament. Jude 1.7, that's New Testament. Jude 1, 7, quote, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. So here's what I want to say. While homosexuality was not the only sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, it is one of the primary reasons for her quick and total destruction. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I've heard the arguments. I've read the arguments. I've counseled people through the arguments. Yes, pastor, but modern-day same-sex relationships are different. This is no longer the same kind of issue. Sorry, Sophia. Just got to speak the truth, baby. It is what it is. <laughs> Our youngest granddaughter. Here's the deal. You say, but, but here's, here's the thing, pastor. That was a gang situation. If it's one loving man, one loving man. One loving woman, one loving woman. That's really okay. That's a different thing. Well, here's the problem. From creation, God designed marriage and intimacy. And intimacy can only happen in the physical intimacy in the context of marriage. Lest, hey, listen, heterosexuals, you can be just as in egregious sin too if you're outside of the bonds of marriage. That's called fornication or it's called adultery. And let's not act like it's just the LGBTQ plus community. I would say percentage-wise, the church is full of far more sinning heterosexuals than ever has been a homosexual. So let's just make sure we're clear on this sexual sin is sexual sin and God created a man and a woman and they were to leave family to unite and join in a new bond called holy matrimony marriage and outside of a man and a woman all of it is sin God designed it and five people on a court I don't care how supreme they are cannot redefine what God has designed so listen I'm not here to beat up. I've got a ton of friends in this community. Y'all know I was in music and did shows back in the day and did, I mean, listen, I got a lot of friends in this community. My, my point today is not beat up the LGBTQ community. My point is to say sexual sin is sexual sin and it is an abomination before God and we got to deal with it in the heterosexual community and in the homosexual community, but so many false faiths and cults and weak Christians and weak preachers want to eliminate divine retribution. God will judge unrepentant sin. Mark it down. 
in any form, in any fashion, with anyone, anywhere. And just because you don't see the sin instantly doesn't mean, I mean, the consequences instantly doesn't mean the consequences aren't coming. It's like us after Boom Bash last night. We got home. We had had a few hot dogs. We were still hungry. We went around our little kitchen island and we gorged ourselves on all manner of junk. And there was peanut butter and Nutella and we made all of these treats. And I'm sitting there looking at all of us, including myself, saying, isn't it funny that we don't see the instant results of this? Because if it were instant and I was eating all of that junk food late last night and my gut kept going, I'd probably put it down. Some of y'all know I'm talking about with your Krispy Kreme and Beaver's Dojo too. But because the consequences take a while to be seen, we think, I'm getting away with this one. I'll have another. And this is what happens, not only in the world of sexual sin, but essentially all sin. But may I remind you how we are to understand these kinds of texts. Watch this. Put it in your notes if you're taking notes. Scripture interprets Scripture. Okay, gang, keep your hermeneutic, that means your biblical interpretation, properly balanced and biblically holistic. So those that would say, Homosexuality today, the LGBTQ plus agenda today in light of maybe you could call that monogamous, even married relationship, that's different. That's okay. It is not different and it is not okay. No more so than shacking up with somebody and sleeping with them when they're not your wife or your husband. See, I told you I was going to make some people mad. Some of y'all are squirming right now. Then I would tell you if you're squirming, repent. Do it God's way. Talk to us. We'll get you married. Come on. Let's do it God's way. And some of y'all are like, man, I thought this was just about them. He's talking to me. Yeah, buttercup, listen up. I figure if I'm going to make some folks upset, let's get it over with. Let's do it today. Because the reality is we've pointed fingers and pointed fingers and pointed fingers. And we forget that every time I point, at least three are pointed right back at me. Because I understand that many of us have stumbled and fallen in these ways. But what we do with Scripture is we use the wrong tools. Let me tell you why this has become such an issue, right? We use the wrong tools. Every one of us has tried to do a job with the wrong tools, and it's longer and harder, and you end up messing stuff up invariably. So I got this little screwdriver. Now, right now, it's on just a, a flathead. I could probably use that to loosen or tighten a Phillips if the Phillips were big enough, but why would I? Because I'm too lazy to just pull it out and turn it over, and there's the Phillips side. And if I needed a larger flathead, I'd just pull this part out, and I'd turn it over, and there's a larger flathead side. But here's what I'll do. I'll end up trying to booger something, and I'll try to make it work, and then it's not a screw. Whoops, it's a nail. So you know what I'll do instead of taking time to go back to get my hammer? Y'all ever done that? And then you work your guts out, you probably bust your knuckles, you hurt something because you're doing the wrong thing. Let me tell you what's happened in the area of sexual sin. And this is not really about the LGBTQ plus community. It's really about an attack on God's design. It's not really about same-sex attraction. It's not really about gender ideology. I know we think it's about that. It is not, my friend. It is an attack on God's design. So here's our hermeneutic. Rather than rightly dividing the word of truth and letting Scripture interpret Scripture, Old and New Testaments, all of it, from creation to consummation, here's what we do. We let feelings interpret Scripture. Here, let me give you, can I give you a big one? We let friends 
But I got good friends in this. They're good people. They're good. Well, who is good? Jesus said none is good but one. Redefine your, your terminology. I have friends, many friends, dear, precious friends, guys in my wedding, gals that I worked with. Listen, I have many friends, but we let friends drive our hermeneutic. And this is maybe the biggest of all, because just about every one of you is touched by it. We have family. We start in feelings or with friends or with family. And we, we say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interpret the word with that tool. Because they're good people. We think they're good people. And my point here is not to slam, degrade, make anybody feel bad in the sense that you're somehow worse than anybody else. What I'm out to do is to say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. A-L-L. And all of us need a Savior. And we interpret Scripture from Scripture, not feelings, not friends, not family. We interpret the Bible. It is the right tool. It will interpret itself. And don't you think the designer don't you think the one who created and made us gets a say on how we are to act and interact? Don't you think he has the primary say? So what's unfolding? Well, of course, sodomy is going on. And so Lot does something that I could hardly believe when I was old enough to understand it. Having three daughters and two granddaughters, I could hardly believe that he offered his two daughters. And you know what he said when he offered them? Do whatever y'all want to with them. Anybody else got daughters in the room? Can you fathom? A mob of men, young and old, talk about human trafficking. Do whatever you want to with them. Now, some have said, yes, pastor, but that's the lesser of two evils in the culture. Hospitality was even greater than family. But that does not mean that, that Lot was justified in his actions. This is a horrific, debased moment. How wicked do you have to be and far from God do you have to be to offer your own children? This is human trafficking, not for profit. Now, I want to talk to you about something. Last week, hundreds of you signed up for Sound of Freedom within a couple of minutes. The first hundred of you have locked in your tickets. You have been notified. You will go to the theater this Friday night. You'll chill in Oak Ridge. You'll have the nice cushy seats. But so many of you wanted to see this. Here's what I want to do because I want to make it especially easy for families with children. On August the 11th, the next Friday night, we are not going to put a cap on the number. You, your family, your friends, your neighbors. We're going to offer Sound of Freedom. We contacted Angel Studio directly. We said, could we possibly cut out the theater and pay per head? We'll pay you whatever you ask. And we will pay you to show this on our campus on this bright, new, beautiful screen. Oh, that just showed my air conditioning right there. That was great. Can, can we show it in-house? And listen to this. Can we, we're going to offer for birth to 12 years old, free childcare, absolutely free with lessons, snacks, fun, games, Bible. We're going to offer to keep your children. 
if you'll just sign up. Get your phones out now. Y'all know how to do this. If you did not get in the first 100, every, now please go ahead and do this and reserve some slots for neighbors. Reserve some slots for friends you can bring with you. We've got to be aware that human trafficking is not a new phenomenon, but it is a real phenomenon. Over 100 children every month are bought and sold in the state of Tennessee. I'm about to say something that's going to make a few of you very, very uncomfortable, but you need to listen to me. Because I'm a pastor and I often know more than I want to know because I just hear all of these things in counsel, there are people in this room, there are people that are part of this church that have been trafficked. You are sitting in a room with some dear, sweet, godly people that have faced trafficking. This is real. Parents, I'm telling you, grandparents, Every one of you, if you've not seen it, I'm actually going to be willing to come back and see it again, although I do not want to, just to be here with you. I'm not going to the theater again. I'm going to come here. Not this Friday, but next. All the information is there. Free child care. You register to come. You register for child care. And some very generous people in our church family have said, Pastor, what's that going to cost? About $10, $11 a head. They've said, we'll help you, we'll help cover that. If you're one of those people, feel free to reach out to me. But about four families have reached out and said, Pastor, we'll help. If you can help me offset the cost of showing this film free, and after the movie you said, Pastor, I got enough money to pay for my ticket, then pay it forward to somebody else out there you probably won't meet this side of heaven. You need to see this. You need to know what's out there and the ways that these perverse, horrible people may try to get a hold of your children. You need to come watch this. It's going to shatter you. It's going to break your heart. But at the end, you're going to have some glimmers of hope because this church is doing as much as any church I know right now to partner and to help with local traffic victims. So I want you to sign up. I want you to come. Why? I got a question. Why are you thinking about that? You can go ahead and just click the link so you'll have it, or you can go to gracebc.org movie. Some of y'all are scared to death of those funny codes. You, I, know, I know because you send me an email and you've got an actual picture of the code, and you're like, here it is, pastor. And no, it doesn't work like that. Next time, email that to frank.catanzaro at grace. doesn't work like that. Don't take a picture of it. All right. <clears throat> Why? I got a question. It's a real question on my heart. Have you asked this question? Why would God be willing to spare a man like Lot? Anybody else think that? Man, why not just let the fire fall on his head, twisted pervert? Why not just kill him with the bunt? Now, let me tell you something. You got to be careful when you're judging. The Bible doesn't say, don't judge. I know you said, no, 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 it says in Matthew 7, judge not lest you be judged. You got to keep reading. Scripture interprets scripture. It says, no, 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 first remove the plank from your own eye, then you'll see clearly to help your brother remove the speck from his eye. We do say, yes, this is what God says. No, don't do that. God says, thou shalt not. We do say such things. But how in the world could God save a horrible guy like Lot? Well, you got to listen to 2 Peter 2, 6 through 8. This is going to blow your mind. Second Peter, which is equally inspired, it is equally scripture, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. So that's why God did it. It's an example to us. And, now listen, he delivered righteous Lot, 
who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Are you kidding me? I wish that wasn't in the Bible. You ever read a verse and you go, man, I wish that wasn't there. Righteous lot, righteous, righteous. Are you kidding me? It's a good reminder to me, and I hope to you, that man does not see as God sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, and the Lord looks at the heart. So before you go out of here going, nah, 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 you don't know the heart of the man like God knows the heart of the man. You following me? Some people truly are struggling. They are truly enslaved to their sin. And listen to me now. They need Jesus Christ to begin to transform them from the inside out. There was something in Lot that was righteous. Even though I feel like him offering his daughter was equally, if not more wicked than the homosexual activity they were trying to engage in and the gang stuff, I was sickened to my stomach. But are we quick to judge? Sure we are. Of course we are. Like they judged Jean Valjean and Les Mis. Some of you remember that story. He was imprisoned all those years, but he was trying to steal a little bread for his sister's kids who were starving to death. And you say, now wait a minute, Pastor. Stealing's always wrong. Yes, it is. But don't you need to know context sometimes? And do you really know what another man's facing if you're not in his skin? Not just in his shoes, brother, in his skin. You know how God knows what we face? Because he came in the flesh. Jesus is God in flesh. God robed in humanity. 100% God and simultaneously 100% man. So he knows what we're facing. That's why Jesus is the righteous judge. The one righteous judge. And Jesus has said these things are wrong. These things are an abomination. But it's so easy to look at the other guy and say God's going to get you when you know what you're doing. Hello? Sharita's awake. Come on. Did Lot have four daughters or two daughters? We don't know. It says two married and then two virginal. It could have been that they were betrothed. They call that married and they just hadn't slept with the guys. Don't get hung up in the small stuff. Easy ways to explain that. Either he lost two daughters or my opinion, I believe it's the best interpretation, he had two daughters that were married so they called the guys sons-in-law but they hadn't consummated the marriage yet. So it was in that one year-ish betrothal period. So kind of like Joseph and Mary, don't get hung up in that. The point was they escaped right but they did linger they lingered so long that the angels had to grab them by the hands and then the brimstone and the fire fell now what was that could have been a volcanic eruption could have been an earthquake and volcanic activity could have been God just going and letting the fire fall man if God can make it all with the word God can certainly destroy it just as easily I don't know what it was, but when Lot's wife looked back, maybe longing for her home, maybe longing for the well-watered plains, longing for the luxury of Sodom, maybe looking back, she just wanted a glimpse of the old life, and boom, she's a pillar of salt. What does that mean? Could mean from the activity she was encased in salt, things even to this day around the Dead Sea. Quickly, if you leave something out, it gets encased, crusted in salt. It looks like a salt statue. Could have been that God divinely, boop, made her into salt. Don't know, does it? matter God is able and the point is Jesus uses Mrs. Lot to remind us of something very powerful 
Jesus says in Luke 17, 21 to 33 in the story, do not look back on the things of this world. When God takes you by the hand, did you notice I said God takes you by the hand? I know they love it when I move this fast out of the light. When God takes you by the hand, because that's what salvation is. You think it's you taking God by the hand. It's God taking you by the hand. You're just now willing and ready for God to take you by the hand. But when he does take you by the hand and he leads you toward the promised land, Jesus says very clearly, don't you look back. You are not missing anything from that old life. And as one who kind of lived, I'm sorry, my mama is here. Now, I love you, mama, and I was good some of the time, but who lived like the devil just a little bit in a few years before I met Miss Cindy, my Holy Spirit with skin on. As one who was a little far from God for a season, let me tell you right now, this life, Life walking with Jesus is so much better and grander and more fulfilling and abundant. And I don't need to look back. And you don't need to look back. You don't need to long for the things that were BC. The beef the, for me before Christ and before Cindy. You don't need to look back into those things. In fact, I've written, don't look back on the things of this world or your past when God calls you to move on. So Jesus says, that's what's up with Mrs. Lot. She, she kept looking back. And the best archaeological evidence locates Sodom and Gomorrah south of the Dead Sea region. As I said, it's a, a Lusane Peninsula. Don't worry about all that. The point is that Lot kind of him hauled around. No, I don't want to go here. Let me go there. Maybe he was afraid to dwell in Zoar. He felt the people were going to rise up against him. Hey, you're the reason they destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. How did you escape? And my cousin Eddie over there got, you know, uh, put under the ash. How did you get out? But anyway, he goes to live by himself. They go into the mountains. And the immoral philosophy of Sodom and Gomorrah had so corrupted the thinking of Lot's daughters that they said, I got an idea. All the boys around are gone. Our betrothed, I think these are the ones, but even if it was two virginal daughters that weren't betrothed, the, the, the guys are nowhere to be found, kind of like Baal. When he got all, woe is me, and God said, stop it. I mean, not Baal, um, Elijah, when the prophets of Baal were smote. And, and he said, woe is me, I alone am saved. And he said, no, man, there's a whole bunch of people that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. And so these girls think they're all alone. They're afraid that the lineage of their family will die. And so they said, we've got a brilliant idea. How about, first we get our daddy drunk, which is uniformly condemned in the Bible. And then secondly, how about we each take turns sleeping with him and see if we can't get pregnant by him? See, sometimes we think our world is the worst of all worlds. <laughs> Friends, sin has been doing horrible things from the beginning of all time. And these girls, in fact, sleep with their father. Now, again, how in the world is he not smart enough to know he got drunk this night, something happened? He got drunk that night, I don't know. They really lit him up with some potent wine or something, is all I can tell you. But this is the beginning of the Moabites and the Ammonites. There would be problems with the Moabites and the Ammonites all throughout history. Just like the Ishmaelites that we've talked about before. Now here's what's crazy. The episode of incest ends the story of Lot. When did Lot die? Where did Lot die? What's the rest of his life? Radio silence. You know why scripture no longer points us to Lot? Because God's salvation is quickly coming through Abraham. In fact, next week, after we leave all this filth, I have one of the most beautiful, powerful, evangelistic, God-centered, incredible messages. Do you remember what God told 
Abraham to do with Isaac, the son of promise. You remember what he said? We're going to unpack all of that tomorrow, uh, next week. Where God, you can come tomorrow. <laughs> Where God guides, God provides. But do you realize that even Sodom and Gomorrah have become bywords in our culture? Even non-Christians know these words. Non-believers know the word sodomy. This is a regular part of our uh, modern vocabulary in a sense. And Jesus used Sodom as an example of righteous judgment. He even told them in Capernaum, he said, it'll be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than you. Ruth Graham was famously uh, said to have said, she read one of Billy's manuscripts, Billy Graham's manuscripts, and he was writing about the moral decay in America. And Ruth Graham, she's reported to have said, Quote, if God does not judge America, he will need to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You've heard that. I don't know that she said it. The point is this. Are there some twisted things around us? Yeah, church, but listen to me. If you're not in a homosexual, LGBTQ situation, relationship, I would dare say there may be some heterosexual sin going on. So be very careful because sin is sin. And God takes sin seriously, and unrepentant sin will be judged, and destruction will come. But let us not sugarcoat the reality that this is all wrong in the eyes of God. And you know what's very interesting when Jesus said that, that Capernaum would be judged. He says it will be worse for Capernaum than it will be for Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because God judges based on knowledge. And you're here today. You've heard the truth. You know deep in your heart the truth. And Jesus said very famously about Sodom and Gomorrah, as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be on the day the Son of Man is revealed. But Jesus would go on to teach that there is no mountain tall enough or strong enough. There is no valley deep enough to hide from his judgment. There is no place close enough to flee to. The only refuge on the day of ultimate judgment will be in the Lord Jesus himself who alone can forgive your sin, who can cleanse you and make you white as snow, who has taken all of my wickedness and all of my filth. And 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, he nailed it there. And as his blood drew, so all of my sin dripped away cleansed by the blood of the lamb and they took his withered body down they buried it in a borrowed tomb but by the power of his father almighty God your creator he raised him to new life the third day and he said whosoever will may come all of you may trust him all of you may have your sin forgiven. All of you say, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. I know what Jesus did. And if he can save murderers and prostitutes and drunkards, and he can save people that have done all manner of abomination, he can save me and he can save you. And he can save you to the uttermost. But you have got to give it up and trust him. You've got to say, but this feels good or I like this. You have got to kill your feet feelings on the altar of your faith and you have got to lay yourself down and you have got to trust the Lord and you don't say well when my feelings change then I'll come you come and Jesus will change you from the inside out he will transform you nothing is too hard for the Lord we're reviewing even when circumstances seem impossible the Lord genuinely cares for the righteous and extends 
extraordinary mercy. You are here today because God has extended you this opportunity in his mercy. As I told some folks last night, some folks that were drenched and tired, and I said, could it be that God let the storm rage overhead to put you in this gym for a moment to hear the gospel, that you could be transformed? And God did a work, and the Lord's holiness and justice demand that unrepentant depravity leads to destruction. As the worship band comes up, I want you to think about this title. And we'll close with this. Very simple. The good. God made people because he wanted to, not because he had to. God had a perfect relationship among the trinity of Father, Son, and Spirit before any of this was. He made you because he wanted to make you. He made you in his image and according to his likeness. He made them male and he made them female. We're not going to go down that road today, but you understand. They're male and female. He made them for the covenant of marriage to be a picture of the gospel for those called to marriage. Not all are called. Not all are called. But he made them to perpetuate humanity and the faith to pass it along. He made it very good. But when sin entered the world, that was very bad. Sin brought separation, but not just separation people to people, people from their God. And that sin continues to separate us. Some of you have faced sin. Some of you have faced hetero or homosexual sin that has broken up families, relationships. You've been cheated on. You've had all manner of things done and your heart stays broken. But God is a restorer of the brokenhearted. And there's some really bad things that have happened. And when sin goes unchecked, it quickly turns ugly. It is ugly what happens in a sin-cursed world. It is ugly that people go out there and they drink too much and they get behind the wheel of their car and they slaughter an innocent family. It is ugly what sin can do. This episode is ugly. You come and watch Sound of Freedom with us and you see these little tiny children and the perverts going to the window and closing the curtain it's all they have to show on the film and you know what that horrible wicked man is about to do because sin is ugly and you say I would never do such a thing the Bible says consider yourself also lest you fall for without Jesus we are all capable of the ugly my friends the ugly but it doesn't end with the ugly the gospel brings us back to the good that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life I've heard that from childhood but more importantly I've accepted it I believe that Jesus has changed and is changing me from the inside out for his glory. And I am far from a good and perfect guy, but I am a saved guy. And I'm set on the path to glory because Jesus paid the price in his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his current mediation, and his soon coming. And the good news is, he didn't just pay the price for the preacher. 
He paid the price for everyone from the pauper to the prince. If you will trust him today, if you will receive him today, he will take you and he will begin to cleanse out the bad and the ugly in your life because he is a good, good father. Will you receive the one who died for you and who today lives for you? Stand with me. Pastors and counselors are here to receive you. If you simply want to come and pray, I would ask that anybody that has seen this film, if you're willing, and you've been touched with it as I have, if you're willing to come and pray that God would bring multiplied hundreds, if not thousands, through the generosity of our church and people to come see this, be aware of this, and then listen to me. At the end of the film, we're going to have experts here just for a few minutes to talk to you. How can I be involved? What can I do? What can I do to make a difference? You say, Pastor, what could we possibly do? Ask some homeless folks downtown today if you go by. They were touched last night because of the generosity of this lighthouse called Grace. And you say, yeah, that's temporary, but when we add Jesus to it and the gospel to it, it can become eternal. And the impacts we're making on human trafficking in this community right now are becoming eternal. They'll share some testimonies with you. I don't have time. But if you're willing to come today and pray. Now, if you need to make a decision, go straight to a pastor or counselor. But if you're willing to come and just, I think, I don't know why we can't saturate the altar, Jeff. I don't know why the carpet has to be so dry down here. I don't understand why the people of God can't be so burdened over the perversion of the culture and what's going on in our world. And it's not new. Apart from God, it's been going on for many, many generations. It's not new. But could we not be broken to the point of begging God, let me, God, let me be part of the solution and never part of the problem. If you're willing to pray and beg God and then raise awareness on this and many other things, listen, my point today has not been to be ugly or divisive, but it is to speak the truth. And I hope I've done so in a temperance of boldness and love, but the reason you got to hear the truth is nobody is saved if they think, I'm okay, you're okay. Good news is only good in light of the bad and the ugly. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.